0: Green Left Left Weekly Weekly Radio. Radio. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests, and that's Green Left Weekly. It's a people's voice
1: committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy, and equality.
0: It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movements. It exposes the
1: lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us.
2: And welcome to Green Left Radio. You are on 3CR, and we have got Lali here this morning. Hello, good morning, Vince. And we have you as well. Good morning. And I am Zane. And what's uh, what's in the news this week, Lali?
1: Well, I think we should have a chat about the climate change march. What's mm. massive compared to you know anywhere else in the world. It's yeah, get your act together, world. What's going on? <laughs> I know, and I—I I, I mean, I was looking at all the all the social media and everything else, and it was so cute. Broom had a march, and those Aboriginal kids, and the whole bunch of them, with, with banners and stuff. You know, it's just wonderful. Um, it's it's exciting to see that small towns are actually contributing to this whole uh, phenomena, and it, it's it's a pity that um, we didn't have a hundred thousand, of course, but it's wonderful to have that sixty thousand. The I think we, we should, you know, from that we should take that people are worried, very worried, but also the fact that the the main media did not advertise it or even mention it anywhere. Uh, it's a real disappointment. It's such an important um, issue, and yet they haven't talked about it. Um, if they had mentioned it a few times, I think we would have had easily hundred, hundred and fifty thousand 150,000 uh, I just was talking to somebody out there in the foyer and, and they said that, are oh, so many people I talked to had no idea. And he was mentioning that climb's um Klein's uh, film, That Changes Everything, was being shown at Federation Square. And um, about 40 people were there and most of them had no idea that the march was on. Hmm. So while the people who know and are in, in the know seem to understand that it's on, those who didn't know had no. Uh, those who didn't know, had, uh, the ordinary people of everyday, you know, activity had no idea. Mm. So I think it would have definitely had a better impact if more people knew about it. But what want to talk about? Also, or do you want to say something?
2: Well, I just think it shows that the um, the grassroots is not as organized as it was. If you look back six or seven years ago, tail end of the Howard government, early years of the Rudd government, the climate movement was a lot more. Grassroots. Um, in this example, the um, conservation councils, some of these peak environment groups, put their resources into advertising the rally, and we know we know that when they do that, um, that you know gets a lot of people out on the streets. But uh, we don't own the media. We've got little bits of grassroots media like yeah. 3CR, like Green Left Weekly. But if we want to mobilise heaps of people like that, we need active grassroots. On the ground, yeah. In all communities across the city as an alternative way of getting that that moist out. So I think that really, uh, that was the the sort of Achilles heel and if we want to get 100,000 people or more out that we're going to have to build up the grassroots more.
1: Yeah. And then I just wanted to go on to Wasting Australia's Futures, an article printed in Green Left Weekly. They talk about the appointment of um, the nuclear power. Well, we've got a new advisor, Alan Finkel, of course. I think we mentioned it before. And he's the next chief scientist to lead um, the, the federal government science direction, blah, blah, blah. And the sad part is the nuclear issue is showing its head again. And there's a lot of um, nervousness, a lot of um, anxiety over it, because even for the climate march, the anti-nuclear people didn't, they boycotted it because there was no demand to end nuclear energy use um, at all. And it's worthwhile noting that um, Turnbull, our esteemed prime minister, has said this, we have got the uranium, we mine it, this is quote, mind you, we don't Why don't we process it into the fuel rods, lease it to people overseas. When they are done, we bring them back and we have got stable, very stable geology in remote locations and a stable political environment. Is that reassuring? Mm. This guy is going to start the nuclear energy issue big time. Mm. He's a businessman. He'll solve anything that comes along his way. And People he, need to understand that.
2: He must be confident that that uh, political stability that he speaks of is going to last for at least the next 300,000 years or something. That's <laughs>
1: right. And the geological stability, thank you very much.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Climate change isn't going to muck with that.
1: You know, there's there's, there's a, uh, I was reading a lot of stuff on this and one of them said, in Paris, they're trying to negotiate with nature. You don't negotiate with <laughs> nature. It mm. doesn't work. Nature always wins, you know. Mm. In Chennai, for example, they're having massive floods mm. up to their waist. And all the first floor buildings in the main city, people are just stranded everywhere. They've gone up to the top. They, they, in, in Chennai, you find they all have flat roofs mm. because of the very hot climate, they tend to build um, buildings with flat roofs. And
2: What, what part of India is, is Chennai? South. Mm, okay.
1: And that's, it's a monsoon season now. I remember mm. I was in then 97. There are floods like this. Mm. Really flash flooding. And then, you know, remember the tsunami in 2001 as well. So I'm just a bit weary about our prime minister's optimism about stable geology. Mm. And Australia isn't that far away from India. That's That's what he doesn't seem to understand. Look at New Zealand, our wonderful neighbor. How many earthquakes have they had? We're not far from them, mm. so I have my queries about that.
2: Apart from which is the radioactive racism thing. There's this sort of idea that if there's a lower population density and if it's Aboriginal people instead of white people, then it doesn't matter if you put this highly radioactive waste on their land. That's right. I, I think that's outrageous.
0: Yeah, and also the dangers, you know, not just in geology but also in storage, transportation. Mm.
2: Yeah there's a good article from Jim Green in the uh, latest Green Left. Yes, that's and right. It, and that's the one at I'm that, reading. That storage facility in um in the USA, the the WIPP it's called and they had a couple of fires Yeah, WIPP. There <laughs> and they had to shut it down, so
1: Yes, that's what I'm I'm looking at here. It says the idea that nuclear waste can be safely disposed of in a deep underground Uh, repository has been shot to pieces by the explosions in the world's only deep underground repository for nuclear waste, the Waste Isolation Pilot Plant, the WIP, in other words, in the U.S. state of New Mexico. Just nine days before the explosion, the WIP, another accident at WIP, another accident took place at the same repository. So there were two explosions Hmm. over the last few years. And um, it's been a total disaster. In October 18, a fire broke out at a radioactive waste dump in Nevada. Uh, The site has 22 low-level radioactive waste storage trenches. So it is disastrous, to say the least. And then, of course, we've got the history of Maralinga. Um, Australia would manage nuclear waste by uh, nuclear waste anymore. I mean, how can Australia claim to be able to dispose of uh, nuclear waste any more responsibly than the US? That's a question he raises. Mm. And um, what was done at Maralinga was a cheap and nasty solution that wouldn't be adopted on white fella land. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's blatant racism. I, I don't understand how people don't get that. I really don't understand it. But um, barely a decade after Maralinga cleanup, at 19 of the 85 contaminated debris pits have been subjected to erosion or um, subsidence, whatever that means.
2: So, it's like the, um, the big sort of grave that the nuclear waste is in, like, collapses and cracks apart and falls in.
1: Yeah. So, basically, well, Jim Green is um, a writer and he's a national nuclear campaigner with Friends of the Year, so... Can't go wrong on that. The couple of other things I want to cover is the, of course, the 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 blast in uh, Paris, and interestingly enough, um, none of them talked about the blast in, in um, Beirut. Mm. You know, it's um, it's sad that people are so blinded to all these things. And um, Beirut, I, I just want to read something here about Beirut. And be, In Beirut, 43 people were killed and more than 200 injured in two suicide bomb attacks just 24 hours earlier than the Paris attack. And mm. did we hear about it? No.
2: No, because the target was Hezbollah, the uh, National Liberation Organization from uh, Lebanon who have successfully repelled some uh, attacks from Israel over the years. Hmm. But uh, it's politically not very convenient when uh, historically the Western media is trying to demonise Hezbollah and say, oh, they're they're terrible. Um, They're terrible people. They're evil. And then when they get attacked by Daesh... That's uh, it doesn't really fit in with the Western narrative. No,
1: of course not. it says here, and this is an article written by Switch the Lines, it's a uh, position paper by Green Left. Terrorist forces such as ISIS and Al Qaeda are the products of decades for Western imperialist intervention and occupation in the Middle East. The same Western governments have been responsible for more bloodshed across the regions than IS. In Iraq, for example, where more than half a million have been killed since 2003, invasion, and the society largely destroyed, um, the kind of extreme fundamentalist terror represented by ISIS was no unknown prior to the invasion and occupation by the U.S. and its allies. So it's it's just heartbreaking. Anyway, time's running out. But I quickly want to mention two international issues that were, uh well, should have been in the papers, but of course, you know, it didn't quite... Uh, make it as well as it should. One was the election in Burma where Aung San Suu Kyi and its um, party have won um, enormous um, victory, like winning support from more than 80% of the 50 million people across the country. Mm. But the criticisms by general media and also a bit sad to see is they have not talked about the Rohingya people. Mm. So that is something we need to wait and watch. And there was also the anniversary of the... Uh, Enemy of the big oil, Ken Saro Weaver, his anniversary 20 years after his death, show, uh, that, that got enormous oil um, investment in Nigeria. It's still exploiting people. It's got incredible amount of suffering going on with the people there. And his anniversary was celebrated in, in um, Nigeria. This was um, on the 23rd of November, and this article was written by Ken Henshaw. It's a really good article, and it's something you would never read in any other newspaper except Green Left Weekly. Word. One last really good news story, the Huntington Port Workers. They, they have won everything, and they've got a better health and safety um, conditions in the EBA. They've won so many conditions. I might have nice. to go to this another time. <laughs> so it's good news, that one.
2: Kick can ass for the working class. Absolutely. Go to the MUA. All right, Uh, I might just go to a a mid-row and then if we've got some uh, announcements, I reckon,
0: about some upcoming activist happenings. Yes. You are listening to Green Left Radio on the Friday Morning Breakfast Show, broadcast live on 3CR Radio, 855 AM Digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Green Left Weekly newspaper, providing a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment before profit. Subscribe to Green Left Weekly by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1800 634 206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues.
1: Okay, time for some announcements. Zane, you got a few on, on the paper there.
2: I do indeed. So um, today, uh, Friday the 4th of December, um, and it's running through until Sunday the 13th of December, from 9 to 5, um, there is a art exhibition um, and fundraiser. Uh, Designed to inspire a bounty of imagery and knowledge about West Papua, the people and their ambition to be free. Uh, The opening is tonight from 6pm onwards, and then for the rest of the uh, exhibition, it's Monday to Friday, 11am to 7pm, Saturday to Sunday, 10am to 5pm. It's at the ACU Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy, and... um, Yeah, see the Facebook event Sampari Exhibition for a a listing of all the events that are happening during the exhibition. Um, Then there is the... um, There's a community rally today at 1 o'clock if you're at uh, Portland Way. uh, That's the Portland Community Rally. The MV Portland Needs You... Uh, that's at the Bentwick Street Lawn in Portland at 1 o'clock today. For more info, our coast, our jobs, our future on Facebook. Uh, in Ballarat, uh, tomorrow at one thirty, there is a film screening uh, produced by Tasmania's own Raw Films and filmed in Australia, UK, Ireland, the USA and Canada Uh, Death or Liberty tells the compelling story of the political radicals and insurgents regarded as the terrorists of their day exiled to Australia from all points of the British Empire. These revolutionaries, liberal journalists, trade unionists and passionate intellectuals arrived in Australia in convict chains but laid the basis for our democracy. Uh, So that's at uh, 1.30pm tomorrow 102 Storwell Street South in Ballarat, and it's 10 bucks. And finally, on Tuesday, there is a uh, rally, um, where is this, at Trades Hall, uh, that's the United Firefighters' Protest, so... The Andrews ALP government has betrayed the trust of the firefighters and tried to diminish their standing in the community, reneging on clauses which were agreed to, leaking confidential documents to the Herald Sun, misrepresenting the UFU's bargaining position to the media, dragging out the enterprise bargaining process and delaying a new agreement, pretending to grant you a 5% increase, when in reality such an increase is not enforceable and can be taken away from you at any time by the employer.' So that's 10 a.m. Tuesday, the 8th of December at Trade Hall. Uh, and just finally, um, refugee rights are human rights. There's a refugee rights rally. That's Thursday, the 10th of December, 5.30 p.m. at City Square. Uh, that's organized by the Refugee Action Collective. All right. So you are listening to Green Radio on 3CR and we are just trying to get hold of Angus McCallan who's going to talk to us about the Radical Ideas conference that's happening in uh, Sydney this weekend. So on the line, we have got none other than Angus McCallan, who's an ac- activist with Resistance Young Socialist Alliance up in Brisbane Town. Welcome, Angus.
3: Hey, how's it going? Good to be here.
2: Not too bad. How are you?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm good.
2: Okay, so... um <laughs> We were just talking before about the climate rallies. I'm going to ask you about the um, Radical Ideas Conference, but uh, you were at the Brisbane uh, Climate Rally at the weekend, so yeah,
3: that... I was. Yeah.
2: yeah, how was it up there? Like, paint us a bit of a picture.
3: Oh, it was it was fantastic. We yeah. had um, ten thousand people, which is a huge demonstration by Brisbane standards. Like, yes,
1: <laughs>
3: thousands and thousands of people came out. It was a real like show of like. Um, diversity and unity around the issue of climate justice. Um, the march was led by um, Indigenous um, First Nations and, like, uh, Pacific Islander people. Fantastic. Um, and we had a really large sort of, like, youth contingent, which involved all sorts of organisations. And within that, we had a, this really quite loud radical youth block, which was raising a lot of, like, great chants and like, it was music and drumming and... Oh, it was fantastic! It was a really, really, really good demonstration.
2: Wicked. Good to see. Uh, good to see the youth getting getting radicalised. Uh, so, yeah, speaking so of fantastic. which, uh, it's the Radical Ideas Conference uh, that's happening this weekend. Uh, tell us a bit about that. You've been helping organise the conference that's happening in Sydney.
3: Yeah, well, actually, I'm down in Sydney at the moment because I'm I'm going to the conference this morning. But like, um. The conference is about bringing young people together from around the country who are involved in radical political struggles, who are able to um, involve... ..who are involved in, like... Um, ..who are involved in, like, uh, military action and radical politics and revolutionary thinking to come together and discuss um, how we can best advance Um, radical politics and sort of the radical radical youth movement in this country. Um, Yeah, it's going to be really good. And I'm going to be like giving a talk on um, historical revolutions in Africa as well as on a couple of other topics. And there's going to be lots of discussions about lots of different topics ranging from feminism to the um, struggle for Kurdish self-determination through to um, like environmental stuff, which will be really good feeding in from the climate rallies. And yeah, nice general sense of struggle around violence. So it's going to be a really good weekend.
2: Wicked. And so, what have you been uh, researching about radical movements in Africa? Tell us a bit about uh, yeah the the discussion that you're going to be kind of facilitating.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing a lot of research recently on the history of um radical, mostly anti-colonial struggles in Africa, um throughout the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Um, So in my talk, I'm going to be focusing on the um, anti-colonial struggle in Algeria, um, the um, the anti-colonial struggle in Angola, and Guinea-Bissau, and also um, the government of Thomas Sankara in Burkina Faso. Hmm. And between all these different revolutionary experiences and revolutionary projects, I'm hoping to draw out some general sort of themes and ideas which, despite different contexts, left-wing activists can sort of help to use to understand uh, where we are today and how we can advance. And I think often um, revolutionary activists in sort of the First World or in the Global North um, don't value as highly um, the, the voices of people coming out of the Global South, the voices of revolutionaries and revolutionary projects. They tend to focus on... Um, revolutions like the Russian Revolution or the German Revolution, um, where there is a lot of a really rich and diverse revolutionary tradition coming out of Africa, which is really worth studying, and a lot of really, really, really fantastic revolutionary thinkers like Thomas Sankara, and Anoka Cabral, or Benjamin Belbella, or these sort of revolutionaries, and the, the projects which they're associated with, which produced a huge amount of thinking and praxis the revolutionaries can draw on for today. So that's sort of like what I'm hoping to sort of convey with this talk and what I'm hoping to, like, give, get a discussion going around. Hmm.
1: Okay, Angus uh, Lally here. Just a quick question. The um, history of exploitation of resources in Africa is a big one. The colonial history is, is absolutely atrocious where millions of people have been, um, either killed or injured in, in, throughout all the nations in Africa, uh, like I was just talking about, um, Saro Weaver from Nigeria, uh, Shell Oil, and so on. But for me, the key thing is like in the of Sudan, where America and China have been vying for power. Wherever China gets to have influence, you find America chasing its tail, trying to fight it, and that's what's happening in Asia at the moment. So, what what have you um, discovered in relation to that? fairly long colonial history between that uh, attempt by China and this uh, chasing its tail by the U.S.
3: I think the main thing that comes out of all the studies of of colonialism and colonial struggle in in Africa is that despite the narrative of, of the colonizers, be it in the form of the sort of classical colonial racism of the 18th and 19th century, talking about, you know, of white man's burden, sort of describing the African people as savage, or the more modern form the same narrative, which is that of these African countries they need development, they need um, they need Western money, they need Western investment, they need to open up their markets in order to allow foreign corporations to extract from them, in order for them to become developed countries, so called developed countries. But the reality is that despite this narrative that oh, what's, it's, it's good for Africa and the Africans are appreciative, is that wherever you go, and whatever you see, there's always this history of anti-colonial, anti-imperialist resistance, which, even when it's not so obvious, is always just below the surface. And that's, I think, the real... Um, there's, there's this history of exploitation and, and, and violence of the colonising powers, be it Britain, France, Portugal, the United States, or even, I would argue, China. You know, the, the powers which have tried to exploit Africa for their resources. Behind that narrative, there's also a narrative, and the, at the same time, of anti imperial struggle.
1: Sounds fantastic. Yeah, I think
3: that's the most important thing. And, yeah. Wherever, wherever there's oppression, there's resistance. So I think that's the most
1: important thing. Uh, we're going to have to wind up um, you know, and um, have a great conference. Sounds like it's going to be very exciting and issue that I never addressed in the main media. So thanks being, uh, for being available to 3CR and Green Love Weekly Radio.
2: Yeah, cheers, Angus. all right. Uh, Say yeah, hi. Yeah, conference. A, ha-
3: happy to be here. Thank
1: you. Okay, thanks a lot.
3: Okay, bye.
2: Bye. All right, well... That has been us for uh, another week. Thank you for tuning in to uh, Green Left Radio on uh, 3CR. And stick around because Beyond Zero Emissions Radio uh coming up next.
0: This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Greenleft Weekly newspaper. Greenleft Weekly provides a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment first. If you would like to subscribe to Greenleft Weekly and get it delivered to your door, you can do so by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1-800-634-206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues. Thank you for listening. You are tuned to 3CR Community Radio 855 Digital on the AM dial and streaming live on 3cr.org.au.